There is so much excitement going on in the room right now. I love it. We just wanted to say hello and good morning. And we especially want to say good morning to all the beautiful ladies in the room. Yeah, let's give those ladies a, yeah, we can give those ladies a hand clap. Des and I are up here because we wanted to personally invite all of you ladies to an event that we have coming up next Saturday. It's called Empowered Women. What is it, Des? It's a special event just for you ladies. We're going to have a brunch and just a great time together. And we're going to have some raffle prizes, some really good ones. She's being really humble. These (laughs) raffle prizes are seriously amazing. And we actually have a deal going on right now. Today in the foyer, after service, you can register. If you pre-register for Empowered Women, it's $10. And let me just say, a perfect gift to gift the woman in your life, the friend in your life, the sister in your life, the neighbor in your life. Gift somebody an invitation to this. It's going to be awesome. We've got great raffle prizes Uh, Amanda Platts, who is our good friend and children's pastor, you guys are going to have an opportunity to hear her share a powerful word. It's just going to be a really fun morning, and I'm super excited about it. So please, please, please come. We want to see you. And not that we're competitive or anything, but the men (laughs) had a little something, something. Not too long ago, they had a breakfast. Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. And Des is determined <laughs> to have more women attend our event than the men had attend their event. So it's not that hard, right? I don't think it's that hard. They so had like 35. I think we can beat it. We can definitely beat it. And Mother's Day's coming up. So this is just a great opportunity, again, for you to gift the woman in your life. So we hope to see you there. And now we've got something extra special taking place. What is that, Des? What's happening next? The one and only Dave Crone. Pastor Dave Crone? Yes. (laughs) This is one of the best parts of the service, besides obviously worship and encountering God's presence, is when we get to hear from this guy right here. And let me just tell you, he is the world's best boss. So let's let's just honor him this morning and welcome him as he comes up. Well, when you, when you have to pay your employee and your daughter-in-law to say something nice about you, it's a pretty sad day, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, great. It's good to see you all. Is Regina in the house? McCollum? Back here. Welcome home, Regina. We miss you and Dan tremendously. It's good to see you. Ah, what a good morning, huh? Thank you, worship team. Wow, finally somebody wrote a song that's equal to the quality of that verse out of Numbers chapter 6. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Love it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look in chapter 6 of Numbers. It's in a book that you ought to read. A friend of mine wrote it, and it's really powerful, so do that. Please do that. Hey, that story that Dave shared this morning when receiving the offering, 
Some of you may, and maybe some of you online may be saying, that was just a parable, that was just a made-up story, so so we can share something during the offering time. That's absolutely true. Because Deb and I have experienced that very thing in our travels. And there's, there's, just a, there's just this thing you really can't outgive God. You just can't do it. Uh, Deb and I have had times where we've tried it, and he's been so faithful. And it's interesting that Dave brought that story to light this morning because I've been wanting to preach a message. I, I, I prepared a message a year and a half ago and have several times stepped up here to preach it and then you know, not had an ability to do it. It's a message on unity. And so I thought, finally this morning. Not so much. <laughs> so, something that was, has been percolating in my heart for a long time, other than that message, is one I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about generosity. Because uh, I think it's so important. Uh, and, you know, and you, you, as a people, are some of the most generous people I know in my life. Uh, just to give you an idea of what just happened recently, you know, you, you gave to help uh, settle that family out, that came out of U- Ukraine. And they, are now, they are now, have now been given an apartment building that they are going to fill with, with others who have come out of the Ukraine. And, uh, and we were part of that happening. So now they're ministering to not only those that are in the camps, refugee camps, but others that are being able to pull refugees out of those camps and put them into, into nice, good housing. And just miracle after miracle, uh, uh, Tim and Elizabeth Darnell, who instigated this, this whole thing, they're pastors in Texas. Uh, he, he was on a, on a phone call and with a bunch of business people, and they kept muting their, their uh, so they couldn't be heard. And what he found out later was saying, the one guy was muting, muting it and saying, I'll give 7000 Another guy muted it, I give $10,000. $44,000 came in among those men to help him do the, what they're doing there in the Ukraine. That was wonderful. And through your generosity, we, get, we were able to send $10,000 to them. So thank you so much. So I guess you might ask, you know, why talk about generosity among the people that are so generous? Well, there's two reasons. One, I think that generosity is under attack. The spirit of generosity is being bombarded in, in, even among believers uh, in the world we live in with the gas prices and the, you know, the cost of living at 8.5. I don't have to tell you at all. You, you feel it when you go to the grocery store. You feel it when you get, fill up your cars with gas. Uh, you, know, you know all of that. If you pay rent, you know that your rent just keeps, keeps escalating. All of those things are happening, and that's an assault against the spirit of generosity in the heart of believers. And so I want, I want to just talk into that this morning, um, because those kind of things that are happening right now in our culture can tend to cause even people of faith to narrow uh, their generosity levels. It just happens, because, you know, how many of you are human within the room? Man, what are the rest of you? It's, it's like, that's kind of scary, isn't it? <clears throat> but it can cause us to withdraw and, uh, and become a storage tank rather than a conduit. We were never called to store it up. We were called to release it. I love what Cletty Keith taught us a lot of years ago. He'll get it, give it, he'll get it to you if he can get it through you. And it's so, so very important. But the second reason... 
that I want to talk about it this morning and why I've, why I've been meditating on it for the last couple of weeks is because I need a reminder. I need a reminder that hidden within times of lack is the prosperity for the believer. Hidden in times when lack threatens, which is what we're at right now. It's our, lack is threatening us and trying to determine, it causes to determine a lower level of generosity to one another and to the ministries and, and people and just the needs that are around us. And so I want to be reminded, so I, I love to speak on things that I need. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in this thing with you. And I, I, I figure if I, if I need a reminder, then so do you. But the seeds of prosperity are hidden within the times of apparent lack or lack that is threatening. Um, because there's a difference. We, have to, we need to be reminded consistently that there's a difference in the economy of the kingdom and the economy of the world. That's right. That's right. There really is a vast difference. And, and if we don't keep that in front of us when the economy of the world is threatening us, then we will act according to the economy of the world and we'll respond that way. Right? Uh, Genesis 26 1 says this. It's an interesting chapter because it starts with this phrase there was a famine in the land. It was a time of great need. And, and then in verse 26, it says this Then Isaac sowed in that year in the land and reaped the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. What does that mean? In the time of lack, he received a hundredfold. Why? Because he sowed in the time of lack. Y'all are thinking I'm going to take an offering, aren't you? I said y'all because uh, Regina's now living in Texas. I figured make her feel at home. <laughs> he gained a hundredfold because he planted in the time of lack. There is prosperity hidden in the times of lack for us as believers. Uh, Deb and I have experienced this all, all during our life. Um, you know, David said uh, when he was being chased around from cave to cave by Saul, he said, in my distress, you enlarged me. In the time when I was in, between a rock and a hard place, you increased me rather than me having to shrink down to less, I became more in those times. You know, Deb and I, we, uh, I used to work for Deb's mom and dad. I, they had a business that supplied commercial fishing gear uh, all up and down the West Coast. And uh, I was in my last year of school at Bethany Bible College, and um, I uh, went to work for them. They supplied a little house for us. A uh, house is a real generous in terms of the size of the place, but it was all that we needed. It was perfect for us at the time, and they provided that as part of my salary. And and then we traveled back and forth about 45 minutes to school in Santa Cruz. Uh, and there came a time when we were offered in our last year a, an internship with the church there in Santa Cruz, uh, which offered us $200 a month. There's nothing added to that. That, that was it, $200 a month. And we really felt that, that this would be the right thing, that would be the thing that the Lord would have us do, so we took hold of the promises of God. And we moved, and we had a brand-new baby boy, uh, and we moved into this apartment right next to the church. The apartment 
rental, you've, some of you have heard me tell this story, but the apartment rental was $175 a month. And our tithe was $5 a month. I mean, sorry, $20 a month. It left us $5 a month. And we had a little baby to feed, to buy diapers for, to all that stuff. You know, live, buy gas, fuel, everything else. But we did it because we, we believed a few things. I'm going to share some of those beliefs a little bit later. But it was crazy because in our distress, in our shrunken, in, our, in the threat of lack, God was amazing in expanding our territories. And we, would, we, would, uh, we had enough and more than enough. People would give into us. You know, often God uses other people, and sometimes we're the people that God wants to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, we love to, we love to experience those things when, when God comes through for us. But for me, the greatest adventure is when I get to come through on God's behalf for other people. <clears throat> That's the greatest experience in life. And then over the years, since we've been in this church, there was times where the economy was, was so poor in the church that Deb and I would, would uh, withhold, withhold our salary or, or just take partial salary. But in those times, the Lord would always remind us that in our distress, he'll increase us. And we would not stop our giving, whether it was tithes or our offering. And the tithe was not based on what we were then receiving. Our tithe was based on what we, our full salary. And we would give in those, in those seasons. And we, there was never a time that we went without. In fact, there were times when, when our bank account increased in those times when we were receiving less. This is how God works. This is the kingdom of the economy of the kingdom versus the economy of the world. Um, so let's just look at a couple of things this morning. And honestly, this, again, this was like, a, like God saying, no, Dave, time's not right on the unity message, but I want you to talk about this. So I, I just threw some stuff together. So if it seems real scattered, it's no different than I usually am. So. <laughs> I just thought I might be able to do something really, really slick, you know. Doesn't happen that way. So Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25 says, There is one who scatters yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Don't you love that? I love what the message, you can go ahead and put that scripture up, but the Message Bible puts that first part of that, uh, verse 24. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Say it with me. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I'm going to have him leave that up there the entire time I'm speaking this morning. If you want to just keep meditating on that verse, you're welcome to do that because I think Holy Spirit can speak into you a lot more than I can. Generosity broadens our territory. It increases our influence. Generosity increases our, uh, our authority and our favor. Stinginess robs us of all of those things. Um, Favor, favor comes, favor and authority comes when we solve a problem for somebody. 
right? When we solve an issue for somebody that, that needs an issue solved or a problem solved, we gain favor with those people, right? <laughs> uh, so if you show love to someone who's feeling that, they are, that they're feeling very unloved, you've just solved the problem for them. And now you have authority to speak into their life. You now have a favor that you can share with them. You now have influence with them where you didn't have influence before because your generosity increased your world of influence, right? Uh, you know, we know the story of David and Ziklag. We've used it several times as illustration for a lot of things because it's one of those stories that I go back to often. But he, you know, he's, he and his men come back to Ziklag and all, everything has been stolen, their wives, their children, all of their livestock, all of their abundance has been stolen. And David and the, and the men go after it and they not only gain it, but they gain everything that the, the enemy held. So they had this abundance, and that abundance, it says, was David's to use as he wanted. That did not belong to the men. He could use it the way he wanted. One of the things he did is he began to share it with the people that stayed behind because they were too tired to go and fight. And some of his men said, oh, no, no, they didn't go. And David said, no, they stayed and protected what we did have. And they get the same, the same level of, of what you'll receive. So David, out of his abundance, he, he shared. Out of what God had given him, he shared that. But the, one of the things you don't, may not realize, it also goes on to say that he took and began to share it in all the cities of Judah around that area that had hosted him at some point in his life. And he began to share it to those cities. And what you don't see in that scripture is it was the tribe of Judah was the first one to declare David king. The very first one. Because David's gift... David's generosity opened a territory in the heart of those of Judah so that when it came time to crown him king, they wanted to be first in line. I mean, I think it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Now, did David do it for that reason? No, they had a need. David wanted to thank them. He wanted to be generous towards them because they had been generous towards him in times when he was running from Saul. But it opens up territory. Generosity, and, and this, this goes to this. When David did that, he was, he was acting according to his identity as a king. This is what kings do. David could have kept it for himself, used it, buy a new house, buy a new car, you know, new chariot, new donkey, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He could have done that, but he didn't. He took it and he planted it into those. He was a king. He was acting like his true identity as a king. And this is one of the things I want to share this morning. Generosity is an, is an identity issue. It's an identity issue. When we live generously, we are, we are identifying with the character and nature of God, who is the most generous being on the, on the planet, in the universe, you know, who not only while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And then he gave us, and if you read through Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, do it in the Amplified Version, and, and you will not be able to read it all before you're just in tears, you're in thanksgiving, you're absolutely gobsmacked, my English people would say. Because it talks about the generosity of God taking us from where we were to where, he, where we now are. And, and in that, you can see that he actually gives us the Holy Spirit as the down payment of our inheritance. 
Come on, think about it. He gave himself as a down payment. That's generosity. And in that generosity, when, when we, let me say it this way, selfishness is anti-God. Selfishness is anti-God. When we live selfishly, we're totally misrepresenting God to the world around us. Totally misrepresenting him. And we're living outside of our own nature as a born-again person in Christ Jesus. Because once you're born again, our nature is one that should be willing to lay down our life for another. (sighs) You still think I'm going to take an offering, don't you? (laughs) I haven't said yes and I haven't said no. We're misrepresenting our own true identity. When we live stingy, when we're not generous to one another. Because we we are people of the king. We're his children. And generosity is the nature of kings. And the nature of king's kids. It's our very nature. And we say, well, I'm happy to lay my life down. But don't make me lay down my opinion. (laughs) Now you want me to leave, I know. Now you want me to, let me introduce the next speaker. (laughs) Don't make me lay down my opinion in order to serve someone. Don't make me lay down my hobby in order to help somebody else's need. Don't don't make me lay down my latte (laughs) or my time or my comfort. But I'll I'll be happy to lay down my life. That is your life. Right? And that's what we are as as people of the king. Born again people should be the most generous people on the planet. Every every restaurant should should look forward to you coming in there. Because you're, 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 you're not holding back from those waiters or waitresses. You're giving generously to them. Because that's who we are. And when we don't function that way, we function outside of our identity. We, we deal a lot with identity in this house, and it, it need to, because we need to really know who we are. And this is one of those areas, we, it's just like, protect your wallet. I'll help you. Am I making any sense? It's an identity issue. If we're going to really be king's kids, if we're going to be people who are born again into the kingdom of God, then we must function in the economy of the kingdom. That doesn't mean you give everything away at all. He gives seed to the sower and bread to eat. In other words, he gives us both. There are those things we need to, we need to plant for ourselves. There's, there's that which we need to use for ourselves and for our family. But they always give seed to sow. We just don't always identify it as such. Yeah? It's an identity issue. It's also a heart issue. It's not about what's in our hand, but what's in our heart. Generosity doesn't come because we have a lot. Generosity starts when you have very, very little. Very, very little. When when my first grandchild was born, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart be also. 
My first grandchild, Samantha, was born 27, 8 years ago. 27 years ago. Uh, we, we didn't have very much going on uh, financially with us. Uh, it was a time when, when the church was struggling, so we, we decided to struggle with it. But it was a good time, too. But, I, you know, I had this new baby coming in, and I, I knew she was about to be delivered. And I went out, and I bought a video camera. $1,200 video. I mean, now you'd buy a, you know, you'd buy a $39 phone, and it has a camera as good as that one. But in those days, man, that's, if you wanted to take pictures, moving pictures, that's what you did. I don't know if I've ever even looked at those moving pictures. They're stuffed away somewhere. But I had to have that camera. Why? Because that's where my heart was. On that little, little baby being born. So that's what happens when, when your heart is in something. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, not a, it's not about what's in your hand. It's about what's in your heart. What's in your heart. Uh, Paul talks in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he talks about the Macedonian church. He's, he's receiving an offering for the church in, in uh, Jerusalem because they were real in, in desperate need. And he, he begins to praise them. And one of the things he says about them, he says, in their, time, in their own time of poverty, they abounded in their liberality. In their own time of poverty, they abounded in their liberality. And he says they abounded in joy as they gave it. And then I love the last, the last phrase that I, that's in that portion. It, it says that they gave according to their ability and beyond. How do you do that? How do you, do get, how do you give beyond your ability? It's, it's simply this. Giving is not giving out of our abundance, but giving abundantly out of what we have. And when we do that, we open up the realm of the miraculous for us. And God then begins to increase our ability to give again. Wow. Generosity is not giving out of our abundance, but giving abundantly out of what we have. And when we do that, we open up the miraculous in our life. Uh, we could, Deb and I, could, uh, many in this room could tell story after story after story after story of that happening with you. And I'm just, re- I'm just calling that up for all of us to remember. When the stress comes, when the pressure comes to shrink our world, the world of the generous gets bigger and bigger. Yes. My wife wants to know if she can share something. No, I guess not. Don't panic. I'm not taking us somewhere. Oh, man. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Not that I've ever done that before. But. You can take us somewhere as long I, as it's going I, the same way we were going. Yes. <laughs> um, I just felt like I was hearing something as Dave was just sharing that last thing. Um, you know, it's a little stressful right now buying gas, um, getting groceries, right? When you see the total, when you're buying groceries and you're like, I, I, you know, when you're buying kind of the normal stuff and then how much more it is. Um, I just felt like Holy Spirit was saying, tell them about the dollar. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm talking about, okay. No, okay. Oh, okay, you will. Um, a few years back, things were pretty tight. And the Lord said, I want you to get perspective on what you have. 
And so I would take probably, what, five um, dollar bills, one dollar bills with me whenever I went to the grocery store. And I would roll them up, and then when nobody was looking, I would stick them, like I'd put one under the pile of potatoes, and I would put one, um, like, behind some baby food. So, like, when a mom was getting some baby food, she would find a dollar, so then that meant she was able to get, in those days, probably a couple more, you know, jars of baby food. And it just became such a game. And when I checked out of the grocery store, I didn't have the same attitude as when I had checked out the week before. And I just want to challenge you, if things are feeling tight or stressful, and even like when we prayed this morning over anxiety, we we actually can do things that break anxiety. Um, There's actually practical things we can do. And so I would just um, put this out as a challenge for the mission, is take five $1 bills when you go to the grocery store. Honestly, you won't miss it, but what when you check out, what's going to be different in your heart is going to be worth a lot more than those five $1 bills. So. That's good. Keep that. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's really too, true. And, and what we were praying over this morning uh, with Mo and Lucretia, you know, it was really important, and that's why I'm, I'm going to advertise something right here. That's why I wrote 21 Days of Soul Food. Because unless our soul prospers, we will not prosper anywhere else. And uh, I would encourage you to buy it. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. I don't think there are any more copies in the bookstore, but you can get it on Amazon, and I encourage you to do so. So generosity, thank you, Deb. Generosity is a heart issue, but it's also a faith issue. It's a faith issue. And faith is so important in the kingdom. As you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And it's time that we... Uh, Give God what pleases him the most, and that's faith, you know. You know, the farmer, the farmer seed sows seed in the ground, in good soil, uh, not because he hopes for something, it's because he has faith in something. He has faith that when he plants that seed in the ground, it will produce a crop, right? Uh, he, he, he knows that it will not only supply uh, provision for his family, but for provision for others. And so he plants that seed with intentionality and with faith as he, as he plants that. Uh, every seed has potential but produces nothing unless it's planted. If, the, if that farmer leaves the seed in the barn, it will never reproduce. It has to be planted. It has to be planted. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And that's what, that's what we're looking for, aren't we, in our lives? To produce, to, to have, uh, to make a difference in our world with our life. How many of you know life's pretty short? Come on, anybody that's my age or older, you know. You know it's getting shorter and shorter. And you want to make a difference. But I, I mean, that whole thing of legacy is really important. So let me just go aside for a moment here. You begin to build your legacy when you first start to be able to make decisions. So how young is that? It's pretty young. When you learn that you can make choices, that's when you begin to build your legacy. Not when you're 70 years old and you want to leave a legacy. It's almost too late then. Not really, but, you know, it's, you could have built a lot longer, a lot better, 
over that time of period. So if you're young in this, in this audience today, right now is the time you're beginning to build your legacy. Generosity is a way to build legacy. Jesus said, give and it shall be what? Given unto you. You say, well, don't give expecting to receive. I mean, nobody in this room would, but maybe somebody online might be saying that. Don't give, so give expecting nothing. How foolish is that? For one thing, you're disbelieving the word of Scripture. You're disbelieving Jesus. You're disbelieving the Father. Come on, you are. (laughs) I give with an intentionality that I'm going to receive. Now, when I give to somebody that can't give back to me, I'm not expecting something from them, but I'm expecting something from the hand of the Lord. I give with an expectation. If you don't give, I, I get, get alone with God for a while and let him, let him build that in you because he is a father who loves to give to his children. But he's waiting sometimes for us to exercise that faith to plant something in good seed. Tommy Barnett, one of our dear, dear friends, uh, I don't know if you know this, I almost went and became his music pastor years and years and years ago. Um, and then, uh, then the Lord said, no, don't do it. So I didn't. Uh, but he's such a precious man. And I, he's, I've learned so much from him on the area of generosity. He's probably one of the most generous people I know. Um, he said this, whatever you want out of life, give it away. Wow, yeah. Whatever you want out of life, give it away. <laughs> we know the story of the widow of the two mites, right? Two, the two pennies goes and gives the offering, and Jesus, you know, Jesus, all of heaven looks at her and says, wow, what's happening here? And it shocks Jesus so much, he turns to his disciples and said, did you see that? Jesus given the greatest gift of anybody that gave today. And we think of that widow as maybe one who's just given up. She's done, she's tired, she's old, she's, she wants to just uh, give it last and die. I don't think so. I think she understood the kingdom. I think she understood the principle. I'm giving this not so that I just don't have anything and I die. I'm giving it so that I, I can receive a harvest. I'm giving this into my destiny, not my death. Hello? <laughs> Uh, she had faith when she gave the, that. And that, that's why Jesus didn't go to her and say, oh, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Do you, do you see that recorded in the scripture? Did you, did you notice that where Jesus goes back to her and says, listen, uh, I'm going to give you the, your two cents back because, man, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Jesus, the most compassionate person on the planet, didn't go to her with compassion. He registered her faith. And he said, look at that. He didn't register her desperation or her dying. He registered her faith. And he let her give that. Because he knew what was going to be coming to her. <laughs> so you have the, the prophet and, and the widow in the Old Testament. Uh, the prophet hears from God, go to this widow. And he goes to this widow. And she, he finds her gathering sticks to build a fire. And he asks her, what are you doing? I'm, I'm building a fire so I can bake what's left of my Wheat and what's left of my oil, we're going to mix those together, and my son and I are going to eat that, and then we're going to die. It's pretty desperate. Just giving up. And the prophet says, I have a better idea. 
Why don't you give that, invest that in the soil of a promise? Why don't you give that in the soil of a promise? And the promise is this, that your wheat will not fail and the oil will not run out until the rain comes and the famine ends. Are you, are you getting this? This is so, such a cool story. She's given up. She's going to take what she has, eat it, and die. And the prophet says, oh, I got a better idea. Do you know God has a better idea on that piece that you think is all that you have left? <laughs> when what you have is not enough for your need, make it your seed. When what you have is not enough for your need, make it your seed. That's what she did that day. She heard the promise. She invested in the promise. And she invested in the promise, and she and her family had enough until the rains came and the, and the famine ended. Hello. That's what God does. I, I, know, I know we're running out of time. But I'll share one more story. I, again, I've shared this before, but it's just so poignant to this point. When, uh, when we were first had to, when I first became senior leader, in fact, I wasn't even that yet, but I had to go to uh, our lender and try to renegotiate the loan on this building and on, uh, on the other building, yeah, on the other building. And uh, if we didn't, if they wouldn't renegotiate it, then we would, we would lose the church. That was how bad it was. Uh, so how would you like to start your, your itineracy in a church like that? Uh, so we, I, I went back there. God showed, showed us great favor. And he said, okay, there's two things. One, if you'll stay, and I hadn't even been really offered the, the role. If you'll stay, we'll do it. And if you promise, you will never be late on a payment again. Because they had been late all the time. I said, I'll, I'll make that promise to you. If the church allows me to stay. So we came back and, and we became the, the leaders of the church. The first month, we were, we were 15 thousand dollars short on the day before that money had to be there and, and meet my promise and we had done everything we needed to do salaries were reduced all of that kind of stuff we cut some staff all that kind of, we, in fact we cut 40% of our staff at that time and um, I was in my office praying you know oh God <laughs> I, I, don't say, I can't say I was praying in faith I was just praying in desperation you know, let me have my cake and I'll die. <laughs> we move on. <clears throat> and my secretary, those are the days you had secretaries. You don't have secretaries anymore. You have PAs, you know. Uh, and she said, there's, there's a man here that wants to talk with you. And I said to her, thank you. Uh, schedule an appointment at some other time. I'm praying. She said, okay. Not a minute later, phone rings again. He, he really, really wants to talk to you. I said, listen, I'm in a desperate position. God has to answer this prayer today or we, we will violate our promise. I'm going to have to sell your kids if we don't make this time. She said, okay. 
not, not, not a minute, 30 seconds later, he really, really wants to talk to you. And I says, okay, I'll let him interrupt God. <laughs> he comes in the office and he sits down. We have a little bit of chat and I'm thinking, come on. He's just talking about family. He's not talking about all kinds of stuff. You know, it's from a warm climate culture, you know, where it's all about the family. It's all about relationships and all that. And I'm thinking, that's very nice. I'm not a warm climate person. I'm a, I'm a cold climate person. I want to know what are the facts here. What do you want? You know, I didn't say that to him, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. And after he gets done asking all the questions about family and all that, and he looks, looks at me and says, well, I have a check here for $15,000 that I thought you might need. I suddenly became a warm climate culture person. <laughs> right? <laughs> and we had enough that day. The next month we came to, it, to that day before and it was $12,000. We were short. And we'd done everything we needed to do. Except sell our kids. <laughs> and I'm, I'm in the office again. I'm praying. I am praying. Secretary calls. There's a man here wants to meet with you. I am as slow as molasses. I said, I'm in prayer. Please, leave me alone with God. She hangs up, calls back. He really wants to speak to you. I said, okay, okay. Man walks in, we sit down, we talk for a while. And he says, I have a $12,000 check for you today. Different man. And we met our, met our payment. That happened three months in a row. On the third month, however, when the secretary called, <laughs> bring that man in here. Get him some coffee. A latte if he wants a latte, <clears throat> and the same, and it, and it happened again. When the offerings of the church grew to match our need, that stopped. I need some more calls <laughs> right now. It's another story, not me personally, but so what. We, let me, let me conclude with this. <clears throat> Generosity is a belief issue. Really is a belief issue. What do you believe about God? And I sat down one day and I, I thought, this really is an issue for me. What, what do I believe? Why do I give? I must believe something. Why do I give to others? Why do I give to the mission? Why do I give to ministries? Why do I give to my neighbor? Why do I, why do I, and, and listen, I'm not talking, you know I'm not just talking about money here. Yeah. If that's all you're getting out of this, I'm sorry, because that's not the point. The point really is every resource we have is a, is a place where we can give, is a place where we can be, be generous, right? In our time and our energies and our talents and our abilities, all of those places, we can be generous in those places and, and expect a return on all of those. So I wrote down, I just wrote down just four things, four, yeah, four things that I believe, and that's therefore I give. So I ask you, what, what do you believe today? 
I believe that every instruction of God comes out of his love for me. Bottom line. He does everything towards me out of his love for me. It's not because he wants me to follow some religious system. That he wants to put stress on me. It's because he loves me. So when I, when I hear, they want you to give that to so-and-so. I know it's coming from his love for me, as well as his love for that person. When he says to me, you know, help that family or meet that need, sitting in Tommy Barnett's pastor school, and the Lord says, and, and Tommy Barnett's making, raising money for the Dream Center, and the Lord says, I want you to give all of your building fund away. I knew in that moment that was going to be a challenge to me, but I knew also that he loved me. And we'd raised all that money, hard-fought raising of all that money. I don't know, I mean, many, all of you know, most of you know that story, so I'm not going to retell that story. But one, something you may not know, that in the midst of that, when we were still raising that, that money, we were supposed to raise a million dollars, we raised 120000 the Lord had us give it all away to Tommy Barnett. And in that moment, he said, in one year, you'll have enough to start the building. And we had declared that we would not start until we had a million dollars. But I'm not going to tell that story. <laughs> but in the midst of that, before, before he challenged me on 120000 he challenged myself and the board in another realm. And that is, an, we were, again, barely making it as a church. We didn't know what to do. And two different things happened. One... The Lord challenged us to give 10% of, our, of the general fund to missions because it's the heart of God. You can, you can track it through Scripture. Time and time again, he chooses a people and a nation and a people group so that they can demonstrate his generosity to the world around them so that they would know that he is king. You, you'll find it in Scripture over and over and over again. And we recognize that there was something he wanted to do through us. And again, it's Cletty Keith. He'll get it, to, get it to you if he can get it through you. And so we believe that, and, and as a council, we chose to take 10% of our general fund income, and I'm telling you what, that 10% meant a lot to us. Because we were hardly paying bills, paying salaries, all of that. And we took that 10%, and from that day till this very present time, we do that every single week. And we give it to ministries that are outside of the mission, that work outside of the mission. And I'm telling you, there have been times when that 10% looks really good. The other thing in the midst of that, EV Free over here, the church down the street, Jeremy White is now pastor of that church. Raleigh Galgan was pastor at the time. Raleigh's a dear friend of ours. So is Jeremy. And uh, the Lord put it on our, they, they were trying to purchase a piece of property in front of them. And they just didn't have the money. They were $15,000 short. And the Lord spoke to us and said, I want you to give $15,000 out of your nothing to meet that need. And we did. We did. I'd forgotten all about it. We were in a meeting a week or so ago, and, and Raleigh Galgan gets up and just says, it's good to see you, Dave Cronier. I just want to tell you what he did for us. I thought, oh, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We do it because we believe God, any of his instructions come out of his love for us. Not to put us in a bad position. I believe that every situation or every instruction is for my benefit and for the benefit of those my actions affects. 
When I sow seed in somebody, I expect God to have a harvest in that person's life. For them to be benefited and for me to be benefited. We've talked a little bit about that already. Third thing is, why, why do I give to the mission? Why do I give right here? It's because I believe in the message, the ministry, and the mission of this church. As a representative of his church and a part of his kingdom on the earth. I believe in what we do. And therefore, I give. I believe that with the resources God puts through my life, I can make a difference. I believe that. I believe if I bless our neighbor who just lost his wife, Deb and I go over and we give him a gift, I believe we are making a difference in that man's life. As we love on him and give of our time, our resources. Do you see what I'm saying? When you love the unlovely, one of the things that Tommy Barnett said years ago, and I know I'm going to get this quote wrong, but I think you'll get the idea of it. He says, "You'll you'll never be successful in ministry until you minister to those who cannot minister back to you. Now you say, well, that's what we were talking about earlier. Don't give with an expectation to receive. Oh, no, no, no. What does he say? If you're ever going to succeed in ministry, I want to succeed in ministry. Yeah? Now I might, have, I, I might be, have the privilege of giving to somebody who can't give back to me, but I know he can. He can. Those are some of the things I believe. I'm not going to take any more time. Sorry, it's, it's already late. So what do you believe? What you believe will determine if you're stingy or generous. Living in your true identity as a children, child of God or violating your very nature. What you believe about giving and how you act that out will determine the size of your world. The world, world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy. Smaller and smaller. Why don't you stand? Mo and Lucretia said something this morning that uh, is really, really important. They talked a little bit about the call of the house to bring breakthrough. And it's it's absolutely true. It's it's in the house. Uh, If you want to expand your level of generosity, if you want the spirit of generosity in you to increase it's in the house you can take hold of what's in the house and you can take that for yourself and live differently from this moment on so I challenge you I challenge myself here this morning to not let the world dictate our generosity it's not about giving out of your abundance but giving abundantly out of what you have Are we willing to trust like the widow and give to the promise that God has for us? In just a moment, there'll be over here dream interpretation. If you want a dream interpreted this morning, you're welcome to get in line there. But I just want to pray over us here today uh, for this spirit of generosity to not just simply come upon us, but come up within us. That we understand 
that we may have a need, but that need often is found in our generosity toward another. The meeting of that need. So how many of you feel like you wasted your time here this morning? Jack. (laughs) So let me pray for you. Ah, Jesus, you're so good to us. You just wait for us to, to catch a glimpse of what that really means. Because once we really understand your love for us, your compassion for us, your, your joy over us, when we really are able to grab hold of that very thing, then we so easily can flow in the generosity of who you are. That we get to be just like Dad. We get to be just like Dad who looked at us in all of our sin and you said, I choose you and I'll do everything I need to to make sure you're mine. Thank you for that, Lord. I want you to put your hands out like you're receiving something. I'm going to give you a, a blessing that the Lord instructed the priest to give to the children of Israel. We sang it this morning. You ready? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face the Lord make his face of favor shine upon you. Listen, right now as you have your eyes closed, if you if you have difficulty looking into the face of God, you think what he's going to look, what he's going to, his, what his eyes are going to say to you, if you look closely into his face, that he disapproves of you, that he knows your problems, and that's what he's focusing on. I just want to take that off of you right now. This is so untrue. He looks at you as his dearly beloved child, as one who gives him great joy, who's one who gives him great pleasure. Because you're his. So I just lift that off of you right now. And while people are still eyes closed, if, th- if that's you and you say, I, that's how I kind of feel. I'm, I'm afraid to look into his face. I might see disapproval. I might not see, might see it doesn't, I don't, I'm not seeing love. I'm seeing condemnation. And you raise your hand and say, Dave, would you pray for me specifically? Yeah, I see that. Man, yeah, yeah. And it's, so, it's such a lie of the enemy. Such a lie. And it's so important we get this right in this time when the circumstances are pressing in on us, that we know he loves us and every instruction that he gives us is because he loves us and he's looking at you with compassion. He knows everything about you. (laughs) But he loves you. Love hides a multitude of sins. He loves you. He sees you as his child. And he has a smile on his face because we sang it. He's for us, not against us. He's for you, not against you. He's for you, not against you. So I just take that off of you now. In the name of Jesus, I declare that that spirit is not the spirit of God. That what you're you're experiencing is not from him. It's from the one who wants to distract you from recognizing the amazing love that the Father has for you. 
So I release you from that in Jesus' name. I set you free in the name of Jesus from that understanding and from that view. And you can now look in the face of Jesus. You can look in the face of the Father and you can see him smile. Because he's not for you, he's against you. He's not against you, he's for you. Wow. Listen to that. So I'll finish this prayer. Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face of pleasure, of favor, of joy, of acceptance, forgiveness, shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his his view of approval, his view of acceptance, his view of you as his child, lift up his countenance upon you with favor. And here it is. And give you peace. (laughs) Give you peace. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just let that soak in for a moment. Keep your eyes closed for a moment. Just soak it in. Soak it in. If you don't know Jesus here this morning, Man, just begin to look into his face right now. He loves you so much. And just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Thank you for loving me the way you love me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I give you everything that I am, everything I ever will be. I need you, Jesus. Just, just pour your heart out to him. As the world of the generous gets larger and larger, the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Your world's about to expand because <laughs> you're going to give away your life right now Lord keep me and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious to you Lord turn his face towards you and give peace sing that again the Lord bless you Lord bless you and keep you. Make your face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face towards you and give peace. Amen. Sing it. Amen. with you in the morning in the 
generation, please go pick up your children from the nursery and from the children's ministry. That will save my life too. I'd appreciate that. Team ministry, prayer ministry, come on down. And oh, They're probably all over there, right? Christian has, okay, Christian will be heading up the prayer ministry here. If you're, if you're not part of the dream interpretation team, come on down. Prayer ministry, if you need prayer this morning, they're here for you. They really are for you and not against you. Hey, Christian, will help you there. So prayer ministry team, if you come on down, please come down here and stand here so people know that you're here available to be prayed for. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord. Find somebody to be generous to this, this week. And be just like the Father. Amen.